I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. God was speaking to Moses. Moses was tending the sheep of his father-in-law, and he saw this burning bush, and he came up to it, and, and God was there, and God talked to him, and he told him, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And God also said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say, to this, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. I am who I am. What does that mean? I mean, it's, there, there are amazing authors who've, who've looked at this, and I can tell you one, John Piper wrote an article about it. If you go to desiringgod.org, check him out, see what he wrote about it. Um, I'm going to keep that part of it simple because it's too great for me. Um, but he is saying, I am who I am. This is me. I am, and I always have been, I always will be. I am unchanging. I am the totality of what uh, exists. I mean, I, he, he is, contains it all. And I am who I am. I am God. And I don't report to anybody. I don't answer to anybody. And what I am is what I am. And so Moses says, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? It's a great question. Who am I? Uh, I want to look at the words that John wrote to answer this question a little bit. Um, so if we turn there now, John wrote these words. Um, John Lennon. Thank you, guys. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I, I, I put that in there, and I actually started this whole sermon on a comment I made a few weeks back, a month or so back, when I was giving the announcements about the need that we all have for prayer. We have prayer boxes. We have men praying up here. We have uh, a prayer email thing that you can send to, and I'm heading up the prayer box, and I, I do the prayer up here, and there's very few prayer requests coming in. So maybe I'm the only loser here, and maybe you guys got it all together. I don't think so, because we're going to look at Moses today, and we're going to see a loser. So let's go there right now. What is a loser? If you look at the dictionary, it says, a loser is a person that loses or a thing that loses or has lost something, especially a game or a contest. That's, we see it on TV all the time. We watch sports. One team wins, the other team loses. It's, it's pretty simple. But I think when we hear the word loser, we tend to think of the Urban Dictionary definition, a person who has fallen off the social ladder or climbed down the social ladder or jumped off the social ladder or just never bothered to climb the social ladder in the first place. I don't know where you guys fit in there, but uh, Moses was, he was up and down that social ladder. What is the social ladder in, as far as this? When you think of social, it's interaction between people. So what we're talking about here is you're a loser in the eyes of other people. And that's 
that could be hurtful to us. We can, unfortunately, we can care a great deal about what other people think of us, and what they think may not be totally true. As John, I'm not what I appear to be. That's what John Lennon wrote. He's not talking about anything spiritual, but I just thought there were some nice parallels in that verse. Um, so, um, do we fit the description of a person who has fallen off the social ladder or climbed down or jumped off or never climbed in the first place? If I had to pick somebody in the Bible that fits one of those um, definitions, I would pick Jesus. Jesus is a loser in the eyes of the world. He never bothered to climb the social ladder in the first place. He was born in a stable. He was born unknown. He didn't attain anything except the salvation of souls. <laughs> the world can't see that. They don't see that. But he, he had nothing in this world. He had no place to lay his head. He had a, a few followers, and, and he died a shameful death. The world considers Jesus a loser. So let's take the first definition, a person who loses something. We, mankind, have lost. In the Garden of Eden, we lost our innocence. We became aware of our, our fallen state. We were, we were naked, but we were exposed. Our, our, our failure was exposed. We lost fellowship with God. We were hiding from him. When I say we, I'm talking Adam and Eve, but we are under that same... You know, there's a curse that we are under because of Adam and Eve. We were hiding from him. We, we lost fellowship with him. He was there. Where are you? Where are you? He knew where we were, but we, were, we broke the fellowship. We died spiritually. As God said, if you eat the fruit, you will die. And they did, died spiritually. We lost paradise. We were kicked out to a cursed world that, that would fight against us when we tried to to farm it and to raise things, so we lost ourselves. We, we weren't the people that God created us to be. We were, we had attained the sinful nature. The sinful nature didn't exist until sin happened, and now it's continued on in everyone born of man, born losers, all of us, everyone. Now, Moses was a loser, obviously. He was born of a man and a wife, so he had the innate sinful nature. He was a loser. He lost all that we all lost in the garden. He was born a sinner, just like, like I'm saying. He was born a slave. He was a Jew, and the Israelites were in Egypt, and they became um, enslaved by the Egyptians because they were growing too big. Um, and beyond that, he was born under a death sentence. He was a Jewish male child, and to keep the control of the population of the Israelites, the Pharaoh said, okay, any newborn males born must be thrown out, killed. We don't want them having male child, children. And even though his parents kept him alive and hid him for as long as they could, it came to the point where they couldn't hide him anymore, and they, they gave him up. They put him in a basket, and trusting God. They, they just let him go. He was given up by his parents. 
If that's not the bottom of the social ladder, I don't know what is. Everything was against him. And then God interceded. God brought Pharaoh's daughter to, to that water that day, and she adopted Moses, gave him the name Moses, taken out of the water. Um, and all of a sudden, he's at the top of the social ladder. For 40 years, he's the grandson of Pharaoh, and he has his everything. And then until he learns, or maybe he already knew, but he wanted to see what the Israelites' situation was like. So he goes out, sees a, an Egyptian beating one of the Israelite slaves, and he kills him. He commits murder. And it's found out, and he becomes a fugitive. Again, plummeting, right? He falls off that social ladder. He's, he's wanted, he's a murderer, and he, he runs away. And he, he ends up at this well with nothing. And he's sitting there, and a girl comes by, and he, he helps her um, water the sheep. And he becomes married to her, becomes the son-in-law of, of, of a priest of Midian, and he raises sheep. And that's where God meets him. He's been up and down that social ladder. Pride comes before a fall. He was raised up. God gave him the opportunity to live as, as the, the grandson of Pharaoh. God, God's plans are so, so amazing. <laughs> he takes somebody like Moses who would, you know, the Bible says he was not an average child, but I don't really know what that means. Maybe because God had a plan for him. But he raised him up. He let him see the top of the social ladder and all that, and then he took it all away by, by Moses' own pride. And he comes crashing down, and now God goes to him and says, okay, now you're ready. You're the guy I want now. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And then Moses says again, what if they do not believe me or listen to me or say, the Lord, the Lord did not appear to you? And Moses said to God, pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. I am such a loser. And Moses said, please forgive you. Pardon your servant, Lord. I'm such a loser. Please send somebody else. Moses knew he was a loser. He, he saw how high he had gone and how he came crashing down. And he only saw his, his limitations. He only saw what he could do. He only trusted in himself. He had excuses ready. I'm a loser. I can't do this. That was Moses' side of the conversation. Have we used that argument in our lives when God is asking us to do something? Lord, <laughs> I, I can't do that. You know, that's uncomfortable for me. I can't do that, so I'm going to say no. I've done it. I bet you've done it too. We have excuses, and we have excuses. But when God tells us to do something, excuses really don't matter. God said, I will be with you. This is after he said, I am 
meaning I am the God who created everything. I never change. I have all power, all authority. I will be with you. And Moses said, I can't. And then he said, but if they do not believe these two signs or listen to you, take some water from the Nile, pour it on the ground. God's saying, I'm going to give you the power to do miracles. I'm going to perform these miracles to give you honor amongst this people. And Moses is like, no, nah, really, I don't want, I'm a loser. And then he says, now go. I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. Three times God is saying, go, I'll be with you. I'm going to empower you. I'm going to give you the words to say. And Moses goes, no, find somebody else. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses. Do you think God's anger burns against you? Do we all think God's a lovey, huggy, squeezy God who, who doesn't mind if you don't honor him? When he says, go do this, and you say, God, I can't, you know, it's not right for me. I'm not going to do it. Do you think God might be angry at you? It doesn't mean he stops loving you. God can be angry with you and still love you. Do you have children? You know what I'm talking about. You love your children, but boy, you can get angry at them. And so can God. God can be angry with you right now if you're not saying yes to something that he's telling you to do. I'm trying to be honest with you. I'm not going to give you a happy, rosy picture here today that, that God is happy with whatever you decide and whatever you say no to, it's fine with him. We are all losers, and God knows that. God uses losers. That's what he wants to use. There's a little list of some people that came to mind in the Bible who were losers. You know, Jacob, the second son, he, was, he stole his, uh, the birthright from his brother. And Joseph, he was uh, sent to Egypt by his brothers. They were going to kill him, but then they relented and just sold him as a slave. And Moses, we're talking about Rahab, a prostitute. God uses these kind of people. Job, he raised him up. He crashed him down. He made him somebody that you didn't even want to look at. He was so disfigured by his sores and all. So many people in the Bible that got used, and they were all losers, obvious losers. I mean, the world saw them as losers, and God wanted to use them. Why does God use losers? Because that's all he's got to work with. <laughs> that's his plan. Like Dennis was saying, this beautiful mess we got here, this is, a, this is a, a family of losers that God wants to use. And you have to learn to love that. I love the word loser because it takes the responsibility off me to be something that I can never be. To Jacob, God said, I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you and I will, until I have done what I have promised you. How many times did the word I appear in there? One, two, three, four, five. I am with you. That's God saying, I got you. This is my plan. You're just 
the vehicle I'm going to use to do it. I'm not expecting you to be anything more than who you are, and I know who you are. God knows who you are. Believe me. He knows who I am. To Gideon, he said, You have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into your hands, or Israel will boast against me. My own strength has saved me, Israel might say. There's two sides to this coin. God loves a user, a loser, and he will use him. But the, the opportunity for a loser to take the success of what they're doing and apply that to themselves is very common and very easy to, to, to have happen. So God said to Gideon, Now, you have too many men you're already outnumbered by, what, 200 to 1 or something like that? You have too many men. I'm going to cut it down even more. And he gives them a jar and a lantern to go fight the enemy. <laughs> that's, that's God saying, I've made you as weak as I possibly can. Now I'm going to get the glory. But also here, the last example, to Eli. Therefore, the Lord, the God of Israel, declares... I promised that the members of your family would minister before me forever. But now the Lord declares, here's his anger burning, far be it from me, those who honor me, I will honor, but those who despise me will be disdained. Do you know who Eli is? The high priest, uh, I believe in Shiloh, um, his two sons were running wild and, and totally making a mess of... Uh, the sacrifices and the offerings and all that should be going on as serving as priests. And Israel, I mean, Eli um, honored his sons more than he honored God. He allowed them to get along and to do whatever they wanted, to go ahead and, and abuse what God had set up. And God said, okay, I had promised, but my anger's burning now. And he killed Eli's two sons in the same day that that the ark was captured by the enemies the same day that Eli died. So here are three glimpses of Jacob. Go, I will be with you. I will watch over you. And Jacob went. He, he grew into this big family and he came back. God brought him back to the land that he was going to give him. And in Gideon, he said, you have too many men. I don't want you to get a big ego about this. The glory is all mine. And the third example, you can say no to God, but he's not going to let it just slide. He may give you grace. He's God. I, I'm not going to tell you what he's going to do, but the Bible says he can and will be angry if you don't step up and do what he's asking you to do. I love the jar, Jars of Clay song. I should have put that in here too, but that would have taken too long. But, but we have this treasure in Jars of Clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are weak and frail. We are fragile, and we have been given the good news of the kingdom of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ, who died and saved us And the thing is, it's not 
us looking great that's going to convince anybody. It's not us being a mighty man of God or a, anything in us that's going to convince anybody about God. It's going to be our relationship with God. It's how we handle the situations that we're given. That's going to communicate to people the gospel. Egos have nothing to do with this. Egos get in the way of the gospel. We shouldn't try to claim the glory from God. He will be honored. He said that to Eli. I will be honored, and if those who don't honor me, they will be disdained. So if you've been given a, a position of authority in the church, or if you've been given a, a ministry to be involved in, praise God that you're in it first, but that the glory is his and, and not yours. And if something good happens, he should get the glory, he should get the, the praise and the honor. just want to read this little example of kind of sums up what I'm talking about here. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. You can probably see him going like this. God, thank you. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. These are two believers. These are two men who trusted and loved God and knew God they believed in him. They went to the temple to pray to him. These aren't strangers to who God is. But they had two different hearts, two different takes on who they were. You know, the Bible calls Moses the most humble man on the face of the earth. On that ride that he took up and down the social ladder, I can believe it. He was at rock bottom when God met him and said, now that you're ready, now that you've become nothing, I can use you. And that is what this, this sinner is here. I tell you, that man, the sinner, the one who is nothing, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. So this is, this is our call as it pertains to our, our heart, our attitude. God says in his word, Micah 6.8, He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. I looked, up, I looked up the message version this morning, and it's, I love it. I just I think it's my favorite one now, but it says, but he's already made it plain how to live, what to do, what God is looking for in men and women. It's quite simple. 
Do what is fair and just to your neighbor and be compassionate and loyal in your love. And don't take yourself too seriously. Take God seriously. So I took Micah 6 and I kind of tried to make an image of what I think walking humbly with God may look like. If you look in that, that lane there in the middle, that's us losers walking humbly with God. You know, we might be bouncing back and forth on that road a little bit, you know, sometimes leaning towards pride. If you're walking humbly, there's the opportunity for you to be too humble or to believe that being a loser in the eyes of the world is, is paramount. And God says, I don't care what the world thinks about you. And you shouldn't care what the world thinks about you. You should care what I think about you. But we, we can look at the world looking at us and think, okay, I, I am nothing. I, I got to get out of this. I can't do anything in this church. I can't do service. I can't do ministry. And you quit and you fall out. There's a warning. God is a loving God and he's a patient God and he's full of grace and mercy and he may just lead you right back in with encouragement from your brothers and sisters, but then he can also come along and smack you saying, honor me, honor me, step into the race. And the other, the other uh, opportunity for walking off the path is, is being successful in your ministry and having people come up and saying, wow, that was a, a great thing you did. Wow, look at how successful that was. Wow, what a great... What a great worker in God's kingdom that you are. And there's a tendency for people to take that on and become believers in themselves and fall into the pride side of that thing. These are nothing, this is nothing that you don't know yourself. Um, and it's all throughout the Bible. I just thought Moses was a great example of it. So to wrap it up, I'm a loser... I'm a loser, and I'm not what I appear to be. The world looks at me, and I don't know what the world thinks of me. I'm a guy. I do stuff. I go to church. I have a wife, and I have two daughters. So I'm just a guy. I'm nothing special. But because I believe in Jesus Christ, the world thinks, this guy's a loser. He can't, he can't even get through life without having to trust in a God. The world thinks, not the whole world, but a great segment of the world believes that anybody who needs religion is a loser. Yeah, that's for, that's for losers. Religion is for, for, for losers. And I don't really care. And you shouldn't really care either. God loves losers, and he uses them. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness. This is Paul writing. In insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, when I look like a loser, then I am strong because God is going to use me. He's going to show the world that he is there. He's not revealing me. He's revealing himself by using a loser. Praise God for that. So in 
Now in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Doesn't mean I'm a conqueror. I'm a conqueror through him. This is talking, if I remember correctly, in regards to sin and having success over the sin to, uh, to refrain from sin, to battle against the sinful nature. I can't do it on my own. I need him. Through him, I can do that. I can be a success through him, but I'm not the, su- the one who succeeds. He does, and I reap the benefits. For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Almighty God, I just praise you and thank you that you love us and you know who we are. You know every weak part of us. You know every failing. You know every doubt. You know every everything about us. You ask us to be humble. You command us to be humble because you know when we are humble, we have emptied ourselves of our trust in ourselves, of our own abilities, our own need for praise. When we are emptied of all that, Lord, you can use us. So, Lord, I ask that you would use Oasis Church, that you would help us all to be humble as we walk with you, that you would you would call us to do the things you want us to do, and then that we would say, yes, Lord, no excuses. We trust that you will accomplish what you want. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 And in, here's an opportunity. As Dennis said, we're looking to expand an opportunity to get the Children's Church more focused, but we do still need more nursery workers, and we will need more children's church teachers. So if God is leaning, if God is leading you, if he's tapping you on the shoulder, please think about what we talked about this morning. Be willing to humble yourself and say yes. Thank you. Have a great day. Praise God. Good night.